Campfire Classics is a classic literature podcast. However, your hosts will occasionally use not-so-classy language and immature humor to describe very mature situations. As such, listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler. Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. Working work, busy bee. Busy bee. Although, careful how you say working girl. You know how those things spiral out of control on this show. Yeah, go ahead and take that out of context <laughs> on some, like, clip. And <laughs> Heather I'm Michelle Lawler's a working girl. <laughs> you know, I've been called worse, yeah. so <laughs> whatever. Also, I, I guess, potentially, this is the beginning of Campfire Classics Season 2. Technically. I mean, if, if I guess if we're doing <laughs> one year as a season, so... Welcome to season two of this Campfire is the Classics. Season premiere of Campfire Classics. We have been renewed by ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, our production company, Fifty Fifty Arts Production, decided to uh, offer to renew our contracts. That was really nice of them. Who runs Fifty Fifty Arts Production uh, Company? I don't remember. Probably some rich asshole. Pro- um, rich people for sure. <laughs> Definitely not us. Unfortunately, as members of the working class, we were not offered raises, but. What can you do? But feel free to head to our Patreon and uh, give us a raise, um, because that's how we get paid. (laughs) And to our loyal Patreon uh, uh, employers, I guess they're kind of like, well, they're not our... our, our, They're our patrons. They're our patrons. They're not our employers, but they are our patrons. Then thank you. Thank you for that. That's very helpful. So, yeah, if you're interested in helping us out and like giving us a raise for season two... Patreon.com, 5050 Arts Production. Yeah. Or just go to our website, Campfire Classics, and check it and find it all there. Yeah. Uh, Share, like, subscribe, do all those things. Hey, listener, I have a question for you. Oh, yeah? For season two, what changes or additions would you like to hear? For Campfire Classics. It's a new year for us, and uh, I'd love to do something that, that will make it more exciting for you. Yeah. So let us know. Do you, would, you, would you like stories with um, more music and more sound effects? Uh. Would you like stories with more seductive potato aliens? Would you like stories with uh, um, less fart jokes, more fart jokes? They can be happen- that, uh, It can be arranged. Are Actually, you- we, we, can't, we don't know that because we pick these things sight unseen. Yeah. So we don't know what we're getting into. <laughs> Although I'm pretty sure I can guarantee squeezing in an extra fart joke here or there. Just oh, absolutely. For the hell of it. Um, or are you, like me, looking forward to and hoping for a way to squeeze in some more true crimes and a lie and other such bits and uh, uh, game shows? Yes, now that we are back in a situation with uh, reliable internet uh, a connection and um, we are in the same location, we will definitely be bringing back true crimes and a lie. Yeah. Because that that's a hit and I always enjoy it because sometimes I get to win. <laughs> <laughs> and winning is the most important part of podcasting. Speaking of winning, it's the Olympics. We're even watching the Olympics. It is. Yeah. Which is um, such a strange thing to be watching right now. Like, I've been enjoying Colbert um, doing, like, Olympic stuff. Like, they're sleeping on cardboard beds to, like, the beds are actually made of, like, the frames are made of cardboard. And so are the mattresses. And then they put toppers on and everything is super eco-friendly. Oh, that's, that's cool. why they've done that is so that everything can be recycled. And because of COVID, they they don't like it's a brand new piece of like furniture. But like Colbert has been saying, like uh, it's to discourage the Olympians from having sex. Oh yes, because a cardboard <laughs> bed will break. Yeah, right. I'm like, um, these are the most. Um, physically fit athletes in the world. You don't think they can have sex in other positions yeah, that don't involve a bed? You, I guarantee you they can find a useful bathroom door somewhere. I'm sure. They, like, like, I'm thinking of some of the positions like these gymnasts get into and like divers and uh, water poloists, synchronized swimmers. Like, yeah. They can find another way. But Oh, you know the synchronized <laughs> swimmers get down. Oh, they get down in the water. <laughs> 
I've been really enjoying the um, the randomness of the coverage too, oh, yeah. because I woke up this morning and went downstairs to make a cup of coffee and watch the end of a water polo game, which was then followed by the gold medal foil fencing bout, and uh, then it was. Oh, what was the next? The bike racing. No. Oh, yes. Next was next was the bike race, the road race, which a woman from Austria won, partially due to the fact that the people behind her were so far behind her that they didn't know to that she her. was ahead. Yeah. They didn't know to chase her. So the woman who took silver thought she had won gold when she crossed the finish line. <laughs> Whoops. Um, and then it went on to like canoe and kayak slalom. Which I did not know was a thing. But it's basically just a kayaking obstacle course, which is dope. Yeah. Um, so that's And then been... skateboarding is is premiering this, this yeah. year. So there's like yeah. trick skateboarding with people listening to their earbuds while they like compete in the Olympics. I'm like, this is... Delightful. Had, had fun watching Tony Hawk get interviewed. Tony Hawk got interviewed on the Olympics. Night. Yeah. <laughs> and then during his interview, found out he won. He got fourth in the X Games, and he's in his fifties. Like this year, he got fourth in the X Games. <laughs> like I'm like hell yeah, age is just a number. And there's a woman competing in uh, gymnastics that's in her forties on forty six years old. Like. Amazing. So don't let anyone ever tell you you can't keep kicking ass or, you know, you can't learn how to curl and go to the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's been fun. I, I forgot how fun they are and uh, how much I get distracted by them when they're on. Just how unproductive it is possible to be when the Olympics are on Absolutely. TV. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been very productive this week, so it's kind of nice to have that to like zone out to. Because yeah, I'm, uh, I started my stage managing job for Riverside, and it's my first time stage managing. Because um, I'm an actor, but uh, actors and stage managers belong to the same union in our business, and uh, they needed one, and here I am, and I'm having a blast. Uh, it's comedy of errors, which is like my favorite Shakespeare comedy. It's just a freaking good old-fashioned farce, and who doesn't love that? I mean, it's like Shakespeare noises off um, with less people in underwear. But, uh, <laughs> well, I guess I haven't seen the costumes yet, so <laughs> who knows? They very well could be in their underwear. Who knows? It maybe... is supposed to be a Nashville setting. Maybe maybe your Dolly Parton is going to show up in a Playboy outfit. Oh, maybe. I Ooh, Angie, are you listening? <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're 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 a week into rehearsals for that. It's going well, and uh, so far I've really pleased the actors because I have brought candy to every rehearsal. So I think I'm nailing it. That's all I guess. <laughs> yeah. So you're you're buying their affections with sugar. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's why I always love my stage manager. They like they send me the right emails to the right call times, which so far I've done, and I bring candy. I don't know what else to do. It's e- it really is pretty easy to keep actors happy. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, actors, God bless them. God bless. <laughs> it's so weird to be on that side uh, of the table. Actors, they're so simple. Oh, actors. <laughs> so, uh, on that note, what week. say you? We we get to doing what we're doing. Let's say you. We let's say you. What, we what say you? We get to do on what we do. Howdy, partners. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so, uh, season two, opening up season two, and we have yet another new author. All right. Great. Because uh, this show will never get old because there's just endless resources. I found this person, like, almost by accident. Like, I was just, want like, I was on one of the sites I used to, like, uh, explore short stories. And I just typed in um, uh, horror ghost Okay, um, so now we know the genre. Yeah, um, <laughs> the more I've done research, I don't even know if it was in the right genre, but we'll find out. Um, and it was a name I didn't recognize, so I clicked it That's and right. found out they are indeed in public domain, and let's do, let's go for it. And let's the title it. of the story made me laugh. So, this week we will be doing John Kendrick Bangs. Yeah, he Bang, does. bang, into the scene. He is an author, humorist, editor, and satirist. Okay. So he was born May 27th, 1862 in Yonkers, New York. Um, And uh, his father was a lawyer, as was his brother. He was not. Uh, (laughs) 
Good for him. Yeah, I mean, you know, you gotta like branch out from the uh, family business sometimes. I think. Yeah, someone um, someone needs to do the important work. <laughs> um, he went to Columbia College from 1880 to 1883 with the purpose of going to law school. So he got his um, his bachelor's of philosophy in political science. Uh, also, while he was an undergrad, he uh, was the editor of Columbia's literary magazine. Oh, cool. So uh, he kind of, he started contributing. To get into writing there. Yeah, he started contributing short anonymous stories to the, the like, Columbia newspaper. And he also was submitting to some, like, humor magazines and whatnot, like, on the down low. Totally anonymous. Um, because then he went to Columbia Law School for about a year and then was like bye because he was offered an associate editor position at life magazine oh shit right all right good for him good times so uh he was like yeah i didn't want to be a lawyer anyway that's just what my family wanted so sweet my plan worked Hmm. um gonna go to law school what like it's hard what like it's hard Um, in 1888, he left uh, life to go work at Harper's Magazine, Harper's Bazaar. Yep. yep. Um, and he he did continue contributing to life, like sending in articles and like being a kind of a consultant. But yeah, the phrase "he left life" for just a second was <laughs> I was like, wow, that is the shortest bio we have ever done. And we're done. And the story you will be reading is, <laughs> um. No, he left. He left life, and like, funny enough, um, that that actually is going to make sense when we get to some more fun facts. So, from 1889 to 1900, uh, he held the title of editor of the departments of humor for all three of Harper's magazines, which oh. was Harper's Magazine, Harper's Bazaar, and Harper's Young People. Okay. He also served as an active editor on Harper's Weekly, which was like a like a weekly yeah. pub, like newspaper kind of thing. In this time, he published works of so many famous people. I mean, like like everybody we've read, basically. Yeah, um, well, because most of them. Yeah, like at some point, at some in point, their were career. in life or Harper's yeah. at some point, um, and he was there for eleven plus years. Um, so he uh, published Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Rudyard Kipling, and of course Mark Twain. Yep. Um, he actually became very good friends with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Oh. Not only did he publish many of his works, he also visited him at uh, Undershaw, which was his house, in 1898. And then he kind of paid tribute to him by creating a collection of stories parroting Sherlock Holmes called the Raffles series. Okay. And the first story, there, there's like four or five, and they're relatively long. They're like, like they're, I think short, they're short they're stories, novellas. but they're short novellas. Yeah. Um, uh, the first story was entitled "Mrs. Raffles Being the Adventures of an Amateur Crackswoman," narrated by Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> and that was in 1905. So like. Uh, these were very popular. People really loved them because it was basically a parody of this very popular. Yeah, of, of an already super yeah. popular mainstream. Um, and it was okay because he was friends with the original. So he, Doyle kind of loved it. He was like, that's such a fun, playful way to, 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 uh, to pay tribute to me. Yeah. Um, so some of his more notable works um, were his supernatural fictions based on humorous rather than terrifying ghosts. Uh, ah, yeah. All right. So that there we go. So that's why I was like ghost horror. I I don't know. I mean, I have not read this story, but sure. <laughs> um, so he actually uh has been has created his own genre. So there is a fantasy genre called Bangsian fantasy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a category option on Pornhub. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, don't Google that if you're at work. Um. <laughs> Don't Google Bangsian fantasy if you are at work. <laughs> um, well, I don't know what you do for a living. That is true. Uh, no Maybe judgment. you need a break. So it is a fantasy genre that concerns the use of the afterlife. So life in left life. The afterlife is a main setting within which the characters are famous pre-existing historical figures. Oh, so, gotcha. So, so it's very much like Picasso at the La Pana yeah. like those kinds of stories. Like that's what it ma- immediately made me think of. Um, so 
the ghosts come alive, and Hades, where most of his were set, is this pleasant, quaint, lovely place to visit. Okay. Um, uh, there's a houseboat in Hades or hell, um, and it's a social club to such literary figures as William Shakespeare and Sir Walter Raleigh, George Washington, um, alongside Noah, complaining about all the dinosaurs on his ark. And <laughs> so these were his most popular stories. Uh, they reached bestseller statuses, all of them. Some of them were called A Houseboat on the Sticks, The Pursuit of the Houseboat, and the sequel to that was The Enchanted Typewriter. (laughs) So, um, yeah, Bangsy and Fantasy. And now I can be really smart anytime Picasso Lepanagio comes up and be like, oh, Oh, Steve Martin was writing in the Bangsy and Fantasy genre. (laughs) So enjoy, everybody. Um, also, like the sh- the movie uh, Midnight in Paris, um, which we yeah. mentioned a few episodes ago because of F. Scott Fitzgerald, like yeah. taking these things that never actually happen and creating these alternate realities. Um, so w- riding this wave of popularity, because now he's a best-selling author, um, he ran for the office of mayor of Yonkers in New York in, ni- in 1894, but he was defeated by 207 votes. Oof. So he was like, eh, it wasn't meant to be. He was also a member of the vice, uh, he was a member and vice president of the Board of Education for Yonkers. Um, he ended up leaving Harper's um, in 1901 to become the editor of New Metropolitan Magazine in 1903. And in 1904, he was appointed editor of Puck, like Puck, the character from Midsummer Night's Dream is what it's called, Puck, which at the time was the foremost American humor magazine. Oh. So like think like Mad Magazine yeah. or something like that's what that was at the time. Never heard of it, but that's no. cool. Yeah. So I'm guessing it went on its way, merry way some time ago. But um, after this, he ended up uh, leaving that job after a couple of years. And in 1906... Um, when he was kind of like done with writing, uh, like he'd kind of like he reached his peak with those those Bangsian uh, yeah. fantasies, and um, and he'd done a lot of editing work and whatnot, and he just decided he was going to switch to the lecture circuit. So he's going to start educating, basically, and cool. um, and also kind of like stand up comedy because he was a humorist and satirist, so it was very very fun lectures. So it was like so educational, he, but also entertaining. He started doing the thing that like Dickens and Twain did yes. later in their career when they, they just toured around and yeah. sort of read their own works and talked about writing and, yeah. and gave like a book tour. It's kind of like a book tour, but they didn't just release a book <laughs> yeah. like um, is what it seems like. Uh, so he began speaking engagements that took him all over the United States, all over Europe. Eventually, he became a speaker for the YMCA during World War One, and like spoke to the troops and stuff like on the front lines. Um, the French government actually awarded Bangs uh, Chevalier of the Legion of Honors, so basically knighted they him. They knighted him. Yep. <laughs> so Bang Sir Sir Bangs. <laughs> <laughs> I knight you, Sir Bangs. (laughs) Hi, I'm Sir Johnny Bangs. That is the best porn name I've heard in a long time. (laughs) I'm Sir Johnny Bangs, inventor of the Bangsian Bangsian fantasy. fantasy. (laughs) Check out my website. You're welcome. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, (laughs) um, So he's a knight. He's, you know, and that was for his lectures on behalf of the war effort and like, like entertaining the troops and, you know, being, being that person. So, um, in December of 1921, he became ill during a vacation in Atlantic city, New Jersey. And that's why you should never go to New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> he died, um, about a month later, uh, after an unsuccessful operation for intestinal like issues. So like. Basically, he got really bad food poisoning in New Jersey and died. So, <laughs> so the lesson here is don't eat at the strip clubs in Atlantic City. Yeah. Avoid the casino buffets in Atlantis, Atlantic City because you will die. <laughs> Even if your name is Johnny Bangs. And I mean, really, like what a tragic ending. Yeah. Um. But he, like, he is, like, there's no scandal about him. Everyone loved him. Like, all the writers, he made friends with everyone everywhere he went. Um, He was friends with, like, Roosevelt when he was president. Like, I mean, he just was an all-around good dude. So, um, 
that is all I have of him. And today you will be reading The Water Ghost of Harbury Hall. Excellent. It's a short story that was originally published in the collection The Water Ghost and Others. And it was first published in Harper's Weekly in 1891 on June 27th. All right. Let's start start this fire. The Water Ghost of Harrowby Hall by Sir Johnny Bangs. <laughs> the trouble with Harrowby Hall was that it was haunted, and what was worse, the ghost did not content itself with merely appearing at the bedside of the afflicted person who saw it, but persisted in remaining there for one mortal hour before it would disappear. Oh my god! Okay, so the trouble with this place is not just that it's haunted, because that's normal, but... But the ghost is a dick. The ghost just sits there and stares at you for like an hour, and it's like, dude, what do you want? (laughs) It never appeared except on Christmas Eve, and then as the clock was striking twelve, in which respect alone was it lacking in that originality, which in these days is a... Sine qua non of success in spectral life. Ooh, fancy word. What is that? It's it is three words. I believe French French or Latin. Okay. Sine qua non. Sounds French. Sine qua non uh, is an essential condition, a thing that is absolutely necessary. Okay. All right. A thing that is absolutely necessary. Delightful. So. Sine qua non. Sine qua non. It never appeared except on Christmas Eve, and then as the clock was striking twelve, in which respect alone was it lacking in that originality, which in these days is a sine qua non of success in spectral life. <laughs> so wait, I feel like this ghost is like the failed Ebenezer Scrooge ghost. It yeah, shows exactly. up for an hour, but it doesn't say anything it shows or up, do anything. <laughs> well, so that's that's what he's saying, is that it shows up at midnight on Christmas Eve, which is boring and cliche in and of itself. It's like, haven't you read Dickens? Jeez. <laughs> Come on, man. Come Dickens on. already did it. I'm like, ah, oh, boring. The owners of Harrowby Hall had done their utmost to rid themselves of the damp and dewy lady who rose <laughs> up out of the best bedroom floor at midnight, but with no avail. <laughs> They had tried stopping the clock so that the ghost would not know when it was midnight. (laughs) But she made her appearance just the same with that fearful miasmatic personality of hers. And there she would stand until everything about her was thoroughly saturated. Is this Moaning Myrtle? damp moist woman just like shows up and just like stares at you for an hour and like just like gets everything wet and apparently (laughs) i guess there are worse attributes to have as a ghost getting everything wet (laughs) apparently she still can get wet she's got a really good internal clock she does she's like she's like i don't need your like human time i'm i'm of the other world (laughs) i got my own watch Rolex, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> and it's good in the water. <laughs> it's a diver I got, watch. I got an Apple watch. I can swim with it. Then the owners of Harrowby Hall cocked up every crack in the floor with the very best quality of hemp. And over this was placed layers of tar and canvas. The walls were made waterproof and the doors and windows likewise. The improprietors, having conceived the notion that the unexercised lady would find it difficult to leak into the room after these precautions had been taken. But even this did not suffice. No, she's like, I'm a ghost. The following Christmas Eve, she appeared as promptly as before and frightened the occupant of the room quite out of his senses by sitting down alongside him and gazing with her cavernous blue eyes into his. And he noticed, too, that in her long, aqueously bony fingers, bits of dripping seaweed were entwined, the ends hanging down, and these ends she drew across his forehead until 
until he became like one insane. Oh my God. You know what she like is reminding me of now? That movie, What Lies Beneath. The fucking like girl. I don't want to give it away if you haven't seen it. We've mentioned that, this movie. That movie before. that we reference about once every six episodes. It's so good, but like it's that creepy girl. It's like she's wet and she's like covered in weeds and like ew. And then he swooned away and was found unconscious in his bed the next morning by his host, simply saturated with seawater and fright, from the combined effects of which he never recovered, dying four years later of pneumonia and nervous prostration at the age of 78. Time that's pretty old. Did he really die of the ghost? <laughs> like four years four after years being haunted? after? I mean, I'd be pretty fucked up after that too, but like the next year, the master of Harrowby Hall decided not to have the best spare bedroom opened at all, thinking that perhaps you the think? ghost's thirst for making herself disagreeable would be satisfied by haunting the furniture. But the plan was as unavailing as the many that had preceded it. (laughs) The ghost appeared, as usual, in the room. That is, it was supposed she did, for the hangings were dripping wet the next morning, and in the parlor below the haunted room, a great damp spot appeared on the ceiling. Oh, no water damage. Finding no one there, she immediately set out to learn the reason why, and she chose none other to haunt than the owner of the Harrowby himself. She found him in his own cozy room drinking whiskey. Whiskey <laughs> undiluted and felicitating. Until she showed up and like dripped all in it. She's like, you want a little water with that whiskey, bitch? No, 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 it was perfect. <laughs> That's what you get for not giving me a companion on Christmas Eve. Ruined my Christmas whiskey. <laughs> The only happiness I have left in my life is my Christmas whiskey. And, and you she's like, I don't care. I have no salt life. Water. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, salt water. I forget that she's salty. <laughs> it's salty wet. She found him in his own cozy room drinking whiskey, whiskey undiluted, and <laughs> felicitating himself upon having foiled her ghost ship when all of a sudden the curl went out of his hair. His whiskey bottle filled and overflowed, and he was himself in a condition similar to that of a man who has fallen into a water butt. A water butt? What's a water butt? Um, <laughs> I believe a butt is a specific type of bucket or barrel. Okay. Uh, but you can check it it's out. It's a very, very wet butthole. <laughs> water butt. Oh, yeah. Uh, they still make them. Uh, Stubbs water butts are on sale at uh, Walmart. Oh. It's like, it kind of looks like, it's like a barrel. It basically looks like a wine barrel, but it's plastic. I'm guessing his wasn't. Uh, no. Um, that they make now. Um, the one that's on sale at Walmart looks like a thing you'd buy for like a backyard barbecue and put ice in and then put all the beer inside. Oh, yeah. So it's like a wine barrel or a whiskey barrel yeah. or something that's been cut, like cut in, in half. half. Cool. Yeah. So he's been immersed in his water butt. Okay. How to install a water butt on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Again, another phrase that you should not Google at work. How to install a water butt. Well, the the non-sex joke hint is, in this heat, just go for a walk. (laughs) Yeah, maybe we should do that for outdoor theater. You could just have like a water butt tap and, you know, like. Cool down um, a little you don't want to. You don't want to tap the butt water. <laughs> it's mostly sweat that has trickled down the crack. Ew. You don't want to put a tap on that. It's the swamp ass. <laughs> this ghost got some serious swamp ass. Apparently. When he recovered from the shock, which was a painful one, he saw before him the lady of the cavernous eye and seaweed fingers. The sight was so unexpected and so terrifying that he fainted. 
but immediately came to because of the vast amount of water in his hair, which trickling down over his face restored his consciousness. Oh, it's like uh, sniffing salts. It's like, woo, I'm wet. (laughs) (laughs) Woo, I'm wet. Now I'm awake. Oh, I'm awake. What the fuck just happened? Oh, yeah, that's right. Now, it so happened that the master of Harrowby was a brave man, and while he was not particularly fond of interviewing ghosts, especially such quenching ghosts as the one before him, he was not to be daunted by the apparition. He had paid the lady the compliment of fainting from the effects of his first surprise, and now that he had come to, he intended to find out a few things he felt he had a right to know. He would have liked to put on a dry suit of clothes first, but the apparition declined to leave him for an instant until her hour was up, and he was forced to deny himself that pleasure. Every time he would move, she would follow him, (laughs) with the result that everything she came in contact with got a ducking. (laughs) Got wet. Got wet. In an effort to warm himself up, he approached the fire, an unfortunate move, as it turned out. Oh, no! (laughs) Because it brought the ghost directly over the fire, which immediately was extinguished. The whiskey became utterly valueless as a comforter to his chilled system because it was by this time diluted to a proportion of 90% of water. That's that's really sad. That's really sad. (laughs) The only thing he could do to ward off the evil effects of his encounter, he did. And that was swallow 10 two-grain quinine pills. Oh, no. Which he managed to put into his mouth before the ghost had time to interfere. (laughs) I love that he's like, oh, it's you. Fuck, what am I going to do? And he's just like wandering around his room trying to like find a way to get out of this. And she's like fucking everything up. And he's like, I'm going to take these sleeping pills. (laughs) I got you. Sucker. (laughs) Bitch. (laughs) This will keep me calm. All right, let's have an interview, Ghosty. Now, now that I've mixed my pills with my, my whiskey, whiskey and salt this water, this conversation will go great. This will be delightful. Let's find out what what uh, Moaning Myrtle has to say. Having done this, he turned with some asperity to the ghost and said. Far be it from me to be impolite to a woman, madam, but I'm hanged if it wouldn't please me better if you'd stop these infernal visits of yours to this house. Go sit on the lake if you like that sort of thing. (laughs) Soak the water butt if you wish, but do not, I implore you, come into a gentleman's house and saturate him and his possessions in this way. It is Damned disagreeable. <laughs> it's the first time a man has ever said, Woman, please don't come into my house and get everything wet. <laughs> <laughs> because that's my job. <laughs> and that and that's that's it's demascu- it's it, it's emasculating him. He's like <laughs> Stop getting everything wet. That's what I'm supposed that's to what do. That's what I'm supposed to do. I am the man. Henry Hartwick Oglethorpe said the ghost in a gurgling voice. You don't know what you are talking about. Madam, returned the unhappy householder, I wish that remark were strictly truthful. I was talking about you. It would be shillings and pence, nay, pounds in my pocket, madam, if I did not know you. That is a bit of specious nonsense, returned the ghost, throwing a quart of indignation into the face of the master of Harrowby. (laughs) She just like threw a bucket of water in his face. It may rank high as repartee, but as a comment upon my statement that you do not know what you are talking about, it savors of irrelevant impertinence. You do not know that I am compelled to haunt this place year after year by inexorable fate. It is not pleasure to me to enter this house and ruin and mildew everything I touch. I never aspired to be a shower bath, but it is my doom. 
Do you know who I am? <gasps> oh. No, I don't, <laughs> returned the master of Harrowby. I should say you were the Lady of the Lake or Little Sally Waters. <laughs> She's like, let me find your grail. <laughs> you are a witty man. For your years. Oh, said the ghost. <laughs> She's sassy. I like her a lot. <laughs> well, my humor is drier than yours ever will be, returned uh, the master. Uh, oh, no. Oh, this is dumb. Oh, oh no. <clears throat> <laughs> no doubt. I'm never dry. I am the water ghost of Harrowby Hall, and dryness is a quality entirely beyond my wildest hope. I have been the incumbent of this highly unpleasant office for two hundred years tonight. Oh, God. How the deuce did you ever come to get elected? asked the master. How the deuce! <laughs> Through a suicide, replied the specter. I am the ghost of that fair maiden whose picture hangs over the mantelpiece in the drawing room. Is that Ophelia? I should have been your great, 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 great aunt if I had lived, Henry Hartwick Oglethorpe, for I was the own sister of your great, 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 great grandfather. But what induced you to get this house into such a predicament? <laughs> I was not to blame, sir, returned the lady. It was my father's fault. He it was who built Harrowby Hall, and the haunted chamber was to have been mine. My father had it furnished in pink and yellow, knowing well that blue and grey formed the only combination of colour I could tolerate— he did it merely to spite me with what I deem a proper spirit. I declined to live in the room, whereupon my father said I could live there or on the lawn. He didn't care which. That night I ran from the house and jumped over the cliff into the sea. Oh, my God. Good thing she wasn't dramatic. That is what they call a permanent solution to a temporary problem. <laughs> She's like, I don't like yellow and pink, so I will dive into the sea. <laughs> a, uh, I, I would think much better options would include keeping the lights off or painting the room yourself. Or sleep on the fucking lawn. Or sleep on the lawn, yeah, realistically. <laughs> like, come on. Like, I would just sleep on the lawn or like once everyone went to bed, I'd go sleep on the couch downstairs or in one of the other mini bedrooms like I'd be like fuck you dad bye like, yeah. or 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 alternatively throw your dad off the cliff into yeah, the ocean I, uh, <laughs> sounds yeah. like he's a dick yeah I'd be like dad you wanna go for a walk and psh, like, yeah dad sounds kind of like a jerk anyway but you know what are you gonna do that night I ran from the house and jumped over the cliff into the sea <laughs> That was rash, said the master of Harrowby. Yep. So I've heard, returned the ghost. If I Thanks, Captain Obvious. <laughs> if I had known what the consequences were to be, I should not have jumped. But I really never realized what I was doing until after I was drowned. I had been drowned a week when a sea nymph came to me and informed me that I was to be one of her followers forever afterwards, adding that it should be my doom to haunt Harrowby Hall for one hour every Christmas Eve throughout the rest of eternity. I was to haunt that room on such Christmas Eve as I found it inhabited, and if it should turn out not to be inhabited, I was, and am, to spend the allotted hour with the head of the house. I'll sell the place. Okay. That you cannot do. <laughs> For it is also required of me that I shall appear as the deeds are to be delivered to any purchaser <laughs> and divulge to him the awful secret of the house. Oh, shit. Oh, Sorry, man. you can't sell the house because I'll, 
I'll start haunting the person you're trying to sell before it to before they sell. before they sign. Oh my god, this is like the ultimate. Like my friend recently in Chicago, Stephanie, she her landlord like pulled a oh. fucking quick one on them and was like, "Oh, I'm selling your apartment, so you gotta move out." And they gave them like no notice. But I'm also gonna use your furnishings as like the staged version. So and we're gonna come in whenever we want. So Stephanie basically fucking set up like a fucking satanic temple in the uh, living room and just left it there. And when she knew someone was coming over, she'd like light the candles and turn on like music that was like terrifying. And like she'd come like walk around and like stare at them and stuff. And she said it was very fun. So basically, this ghost is is that yeah, she's like it's just a pre haunting. You can never leave me. And <laughs> say, this is what you're going to get if you move in here. See, some people would be real into that, though. <laughs> like, yeah. Most people would be like, oh, absolutely not. But, like, you get, like, a ghost hunter. Like, you get one of those, like, if, fucking, like. If, if I could be guaranteed one hour annually of ghost interaction, I'd buy that house. I'd just, like, put on a raincoat and be ready for the day. Yeah. I'd be like, it's Christmas, y'all. Let's go up to the pink room. <laughs> <laughs> I'd also, like, probably, especially after this conversation, yeah. I'd go paint that room blue and gray. To make her happy. To make her happy. Yeah. Like, cool. For sure. Let's hang out for an Be hour. like, wow, that sounds, that's, you had a rough, rough, rough go at it. Um... I will always be in that room on Christmas, and I'll I'll bring you some uh, some towels so you can like warm up a little bit, <laughs> like, <laughs> or I'll give you a water butt so you can sit in it and not feel like you're mildewing things. You can just like sit in the tub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, just turn that room into like a, a giant, swimming pool. Yeah. Tur- oh yeah, like put a like a big pool in there. Put so a giant can just- bathtub in there. Yeah. <laughs> Do you mean to tell me that on every Christmas Eve that I don't happen to have somebody in that guest chamber, you are going to haunt me wherever I may be, ruining my whiskey, taking all the curl out of my hair, extinguishing my fire, and soaking me through to the skin? I love that his whiskey and hair were first, not like destroying the house, like property. It was like, nope. The whiskey and hair comes first, for sure. I mean, I will say, whiskey, very important. Yeah. Well, and what you could do is just decide that you're not going to drink for one hour a year. And that would solve that problem. But (laughs) Like, cork it up real good, put it somewhere else, you know. Yeah. And, like, don't put your curling irons in right before she shows up, (laughs) you know? Maybe don't curl your hair on Christmas Eve. Ponzi git. (laughs) You have stated the case, Oglethorpe, and what is more, said the water ghost, it doesn't make the slightest difference where you are. If I find that room empty, wherever you may be, I shall douse you with my spectral prez, but here the clock struck one, and immediately the apparition faded away. It was perhaps more of a trickle than a fade. (laughs) But a disappearance, it was complete. (laughs) By St. George and his dragon, ejaculated the master of Harrowby. Oh my god, that's the best one ever! (laughs) By St. George and his dragon, he ejaculated. Wow. Oh man, wow. That is, I hope, I hope. That that is the ejaculatory sound from every actor who performs in Bangsian fantasy porn. It fucking better be. <laughs> by St. George and his dragon. <laughs> yep. So it's by St. George and the dragon as he ejaculated. Because of the uh, woman that just freaking squirted out of there. <laughs> By St. George and his dragon, ejaculated the master of Harrowby, wringing his hands. Dear listener, what is the weirdest phrase you have ever heard screamed upon ejaculation? Inquiring minds want to know. Oh, no. (laughs) Or what is the weirdest word you have ejaculated? Phrase that you have ejaculated, because truly in this in this sense, 
It uh, it just means you exclaim something. By St. George and his dragon, One more ejaculated time. the master of Harrowby, wringing his hands. It is guineas to hot cross buns that next Christmas there's an <laughs> occupant of the spare room or I spend my night in a bathtub. Uh, see, we smart. Yep. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> But, I mean, that sounds like a great, like, spend the night, like, spend Christmas Eve at, like, 11.45, make, put in, like, some Epsom salts, some bubble bath, um, drink your glass of wine from 11.45 to 11.59, and then finish it, set it down, and just sit in that bathtub and get ready for your your, your wet lady visitor. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that that ended not as... Nope, that came out exactly that's right. That's exactly what I meant. <laughs> Merry Christmas! I'm pretty sure that's just how Hugh Hefner spent every Christmas. Oh, I have no doubt. But the master of Harrowby Hall would have lost his wager had there been anyone there to take him up. For when Christmas Eve came again, he was in his grave, (gasps) never having recovered from the cold contracted that awful night. Harrowby Hall was closed, and the heir to the estate was in London— where to him in his chambers came the same experience that his father had gone through, saving only that being younger and stronger, he survived the shock. Everything in his rooms was ruined. His clocks were rusted in the works. A fine collection of watercolor drawings was entirely (laughs) obliterated by the onslaught of the water ghost, and what was worse... The apartments below his were drenched with water soaking through the floors, a damage for which he was compelled to pay, and which resulted in his being requested by his landlady to vacate the premises immediately. Get the fuck out of my building. <clears throat> also, wouldn't it have been nice if Dad would have like let him know Warned that him? like the house you're going to... And wouldn't he have known? I mean, he grew up there, right? Possibly. But I guess he didn't know the stipulation. He, he didn't, didn't know, know the that the ghost yeah. is just going to show up now that he's the thing. I would, if I, if I was dad, I probably would have written a letter and been like, just so you know, especially as he's dying, yeah, uh, be like, uh, I, this information I got last Christmas might be helpful to you. Might be important. It's also possible that the combination of alcohol and pills that I was popping just was, played a number on me. Uh, yeah, maybe but, I just died because. I drink a bottle of whiskey every night, but, you know, whatever you're going to do. The story of the visitation inflicted upon his family had gone abroad, and no one could be got to invite him out to any function (laughs) save afternoon teas and receptions. Fathers of daughters declined to permit him to remain in their houses later than eight o'clock at night, not knowing but that some emergency might arise in the supernatural world which would require an unexpected appearance of the water ghost in this on nights other than Christmas Eve. Oh, no. And before the mystic hour when weary churchyards, ignoring the rules which are supposed to govern polite society, began to yawn. Nor would the maids themselves have aught to do with him, fearing the destruction by the sudden incursion of aqueous femininity of their costumes which they held most dear. (laughs) No wet t-shirt contest this summer. (laughs) Nope. So the heir of Harrowby Hall resolved, as his ancestors for several generations before him had resolved, that something must be done. His first thought was to make one of his servants occupy the haunted room at the crucial moment. Rude. But in this he failed because the servants themselves knew the history of that room (laughs) and rebelled. They're like, um, no, you do not pay me enough for this shit. None of his friends would consent to sacrifice their personal comfort to his, nor was there to be found in all England a man so poor as to be willing to occupy the doomed chamber on Christmas Eve for pay. See, now, I get it. I get it, because everyone seems to die who encounters her. Um, But if you know what you're getting into, I feel like you could be prepared for this situation. Right, so... 
You put on a lot of layers. Oh no. No, 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 no. no. I disagree. You 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 get your glass of wine in yeah. first. You make sure that you've had enough to eat. Yeah. You know what's coming and you get you take off all your clothes and you get in a hot bath. Or like a hot tub. And then you're not going to catch a cold. You're not going to catch a cold and you know you're going to see a ghost. So you're not going to have like yeah. You've already been warned that something unworldly is going to appear to you, so you won't have that shock factor. I mean, there'll still be some shock, and it actually, you're like, oh, it's real. Yeah. But, like, you're not going to be, like, <gasps> scared to death. Well, and it doesn't seem like she's going no. out of her way to be destructive. She just accidentally ruins things with, like, cold seawater. She just kind of sits there and, like, stares at you, and it's, like, soaking wet. <laughs> like... Then the thought came to the heir to have the fireplace in the room enlarged so that he might evaporate the ghost at its first appearance. And he was felicitating himself upon the ingenuity of his plan when he remembered what his father had told him, how that no fire could withstand the lady's extremely contagious dampness. I feel like that's a euphemism for foreplay yeah. is contagious dampness. No fire could extinguish her contagious dampness. And then he thought him of steam pipes. Ooh. These, he remembered, could lie hundreds of feet deep in water and still retain sufficient heat to drive the water away in vapor. And as a result of this thought, the haunted room was heated by steam to a withering degree, and the heir for six months attended daily to Turkish baths, so that when Christmas Eve came, he could himself withstand the awful temperature of the room. We just said, build a hot tub! Yep. <laughs> now, he's building a sauna, He's building a sauna, a steam bath, but, but yeah, you know, same, same difference. The scheme was only partially successful. The water ghost appeared at the specified time and found the air of Harrowby prepared, but hot as the room was, it shortened her visit by no more than five minutes in the hour, during which time the nervous system of the young master was well-nigh shattered, and the room itself was cracked and warped to an extent which required the outlay of a large sum of money to remedy And worse than this, as the last drop of the water ghost was slowly sizzling itself out on the floor, she whispered to her would-be conqueror that his scheme would avail him nothing because there was still water in great plenty where she came from and that next year would find her rehabilitated and as exasperatingly saturating as ever. I'll be back. Basically, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was then that the natural action of the mind in going from one extreme to the other suggested to the ingenious heir of Harrowby the means by which the water ghost was ultimately conquered and happiness once more came within grasp of the house of Oglethorpe. The heir provided himself with a warm suit of fur underclothing, Donning this with the furry side in, he placed over it a rubber garment, tight-fitting, which he wore just as a woman wears a jersey. Like, tight. I guess, yeah. Yeah. But that's exactly what I said to do. Bundle up and put on some waterproof clothes on the outside. You know what? He's, I I I'm just uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to encounter a water ghost. Yeah, he's just he's basically putting on a wetsuit. Yeah, with a bunch of like fur underneath. Yep. Yeah. On top of this, he placed another set of underclothing, this suit made of wool, and over this, a second rubber garment like the first. (laughs) Upon his head, he placed a light and comfortable diving helmet. Yes! And so clad on the following Christmas Eve, he awaited the coming of his tormentor. I imagine he looks like the kid in um, uh, Christmas Story. It's like, I can't put my arms down! He's just standing in the middle of the room like, all right, I'm ready. (laughs) 
It was a bitterly cold night that brought to the close this 24th day of December. The air outside was still, but the temperature was below zero. Damn, that's cold for England. Within, all was quiet. The servants of Harrowby Hall, awaiting with beating hearts the outcome of their master's campaign against his supernatural visitor. The master himself was laying on the bed in the haunted room, clad, as has already been indicated, and then the clock clanged out the hour of twelve. Here she comes. There was a sudden banging of doors. A blast of cold air swept through the halls. The door leading into the haunted chamber flew open. A splash was heard, and the water ghost was seen standing at the side of the heir of Harrowby, from whose outer dress there streamed rivulets of water, but whose own person, deep down under the various garments he wore, was as dry and as warm as he could have wished. Hell yeah. Ha! said the young master of Harrowby. I'm glad to see you. You are the most original man I've met, (laughs) if that is true, returned the ghost. May I ask... Where did you get that hat? (laughs) It's fabulous! (laughs) Certainly, madam, returned the master courteously. It is a little portable observatory I had made for just such emergencies as this. But tell me, is it true that you are doomed to follow me about for one mortal hour to stand where I stand, to sit where I sit? That is my delectable fate, returned the lady. (laughs) We'll go out on the lake, said the master, starting up. You can't get rid of me that way, returned the ghost. The water won't swallow me up. In fact, it will just add to my present bulk. (laughs) The lake just really turns me on. (laughs) Nevertheless, said the master, firmly. We will go out on the lake. But, my dear sir, returned the ghost with a pale reluctance, it is fearfully cold out there. You will be frozen hard before you've been out ten minutes. (laughs) Oh, no, I'll not, replied the master. I'm very warmly dressed. Come! This last in a tone of command that made the ghost ripple. And they started. She shuddered. She's like, oh, you'll be frozen hard. Oh, it'll be so cold outside. And then he commanded, come, and she rippled. And she rippled. (laughs) Oh, they're a match made in heaven. (laughs) Or hell. Or the lake, apparently. (laughs) And they started. Only a little awkward because she's like his great, 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 great great aunt. Grandma, aunt. I don't know what it is anymore. They had not gone far before the water ghost showed signs of distress. You are walking too slowly, she said. I am nearly frozen. My (gasps) knees are so stiff now I can hardly move. I beseech you to accelerate your step. He's gonna frosty the snowman -er. I should like to oblige a lady, returned the master courteously, but my clothes are rather heavy, and (laughs) a hundred yards an hour is about my speed. (laughs) I can't put my arms down. Indeed, I think we would better sit down here on this snowdrift and talk matters out. Oh, no. Do not. Do not do so, I beg, cried the ghost. Let me move on. I feel myself growing rigid as it is. If we stop here, I shall be frozen stiff. That, madam, said the master slowly, seating himself on an ice cake. That is why I have brought you here. We have been on this spot just ten minutes. We have fifty more. Take your time about it, madam, but freeze. That is all I ask of you. 
I cannot move my right leg now, cried the ghost in despair, and my overskirt is a solid sheet of ice. Oh, good, kind Mr. Oglethorpe, light a fire and let me go free from these icy fetters. Never, madam, it cannot be. I have you at last. Alas, cried the ghost, a tear trickling down her frozen Aww. cheek. Help me, I beg, I congeal. Congeal, madam, congeal, returned Oglethorpe coldly. You have drenched me and mine for two hundred and three years, madam. Tonight you have had your last drench. Uh, 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 but I shall thaw out again, and then you'll see, instead of the comfortably tepid, genial ghost I have been in my past, sir, I shall be iced water, cried the lady threateningly. No, you won't either, returned Oglethorpe, for when you are frozen quite stiff, I shall send you to a cold storage warehouse, <gasps> and there shall you remain an icy work of art forevermore. Oh, no! But warehouses burn. So they do. But this warehouse cannot burn. It is made of asbestos, and surrounding it are fireproof walls, and within those walls the temperature is now, and for, shall forever be, 416 degrees below the zero point. Oh my god! Low We're enough to make an icicle of any flame in this world or the next. The master added with an ill-suppressed chuckle. For the last time, let me beseech you. I would go on my knees to you, Oglethorpe, were they not already frozen. I beg of you, do not do... Oh. Here, even the words froze on the water ghost's lips, and the clock struck one. There was a momentary tremor throughout the ice-bound form, and the moon, coming out from behind a cloud, shone down on the rigid figure of a beautiful woman sculpted in clear, transparent ice. There stood the ghost of Harrowby Hall, conquered by the cold, a prisoner for all time. The heir of Harrowby had won at last— and today, in a large storage house in London, stands the frigid form of one who will never again flood the house of Oglethorpe with woe and seawater. As for the heir of Harrowby, his success in coping with the ghost has made him famous, a fame that still lingers about him, although his victory took place some twenty years ago. And so far from being unpopular with the fairer sex, as he was when we first knew him, he has not only been married twice, but is to lead a third bride to the altar before the year is out. Why are they dying? <laughs> we don't know they're dying. It's possible he's just a piece of shit. I think he's a piece of shit. That's the end? That's the end. He just froze this woman to, like, for all eternity. <laughs> I did not see that coming. Nope. I did not see that coming at all. I like I that walked outside, and until you were like, I'm cold, can we walk faster? I went, oh, shit. He, she, he's creating Elsa. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if I would feel differently about that story if I had voiced her a little less sympathetically. Oh, if she was like, I am the ghost of, like... Yeah, if, if, if I had voiced her a little more aggressively, I yeah. feel like I would feel differently about that story. Uh, it seems like she's pretty... I Like she said, she's like, I've been quite congenial. I just can't help that I'm wet. Like, so I don't think she was ever, like, malicious about it. Yeah. It was just like she was, like, cursed by this water nymph to do this. Yeah. Um, so she went from being... I mean, honestly... It's probably better now for her. Because now she can, like, rest. I mean, now she's, she's just she's hanging frozen. out. Well, and as we in the 21st century know, the asbestos insulation was probably ripped out. Yeah, she definitely was released at some point yep. in the past hundred years. <laughs> she's probably 
back haunting that house again. If you live at Harrowby Hall, will you let us know how the water ghost is, please? <laughs> I hope she's doing all right. Maybe maybe with modern technology, they figured out a way to, like, dry her out. Like, just, like, big fucking, like, suction fans or, like, like some sort of, like, like high-powered uh, draining system or something yeah. like that. Or just, like, live with it. Yeah, like, wear what he wore yeah. and stay inside. Yeah. And once a year for an hour, you're inconvenienced by this, like, tragic figure who's just like, I'm sorry, I'm so wet. Well, or I wonder what would happen if they just burned down the house. Uh, I actually had that thought. Is like, he, is he going to burn down the house while she's there? Like, will that? I'm, I'm even thinking, like, just sometime in the middle of July, oh. like, tear down the house. And but then there'd still be, there's still the rain, like there's still the like lineage. But just tear down the house and donate the property to the government. Uh, so then, yeah. So, then so no there's no, is, yeah. And then she'll just haunt the government. Okay. <laughs> and that's okay. Right. <laughs> uh, there's a few people in the government I would love to send her to. That would mean yeah. that every Christmas Eve, the prime minister gets a one-hour visit from a, from a, a water, water ghost. ghost. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, or the queen, depending the on queen, who you consider the head of the, the country. Government. Yeah, um, I yeah, I can definitely think of a few government figures I would love to uh, sick the water ghost on. Them. Yeah, like, dear listener. If you had a haunted property that you could only get rid of by donating it, who would you give it to? Who would you curse? Who would who you would curse you, with a haunted property? Who would you curse with a water ghost, given the opportunity? Yeah. Message us that. I think that's our secret thing at the end. Like, who would you curse with uh, with a haunted property? I like our secret passcodes to be something uniform. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I am curious who you would curse with a ghost, yep. and I am curious what is the weirdest um, ejaculatory sound you have ever heard made or made yourself. Yeah, and then our passcode is... Moist ghost. <laughs> Moist ghost. That's actually a good uh, vocal warm-up. Moist ghost. Moist ghost. Moist ghost. <laughs> It's always are also making a lot of people at home go ah cringe ah, cringe ah. cringe cringe. <laughs> All right, we just lost four listeners. Cool. Uh, cool. All right, bye. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's it. I think that's it. That was our first uh, first episode of season two. Yeah. <laughs> and it was delightfully wet. <laughs> <laughs> I actually could use a water ghost right now. It's I know toasty it's toasty out. Fucking hot out. So. Yeah. So thank you, listeners, for making it this far. Uh, you are wonderful, beautiful, outstanding, amazing people whom we owe so very much to. But if you could do us one further favor and make sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with five friends and tell them that they should like and subscribe and share with five friends. It's our podcast pyramid scheme. It's like a pyramid scheme, except that nobody loses anything. Everybody wins. Everybody wins because you learn things and you hear stories and you laugh. It's delightful. Uh, you can track us down on all the social medias. Uh, if you message us, we usually respond. Yeah, we'll um, respond. Please. And, and I use the term we loosely because Heather is the only one who knows how to use our social media. I'm the social media guru. <laughs> um, so, yes, if you if you message us on any of our social media, on our website, if you email us, I will respond, like, as long as you're, like, cordial and, like, you know, not rude. Um, and if you're rude, then I might respond also, but, you know. <laughs> if you're rude, we'll take you out in the freezing cold. And freeze your ass and wrap you in asbestos. <laughs> On that note. Got anything else? I think that's it. Cool. Thank you for listening. This has been... I guess this the season two premiere, although I may just keep uploading this all as season one. Eh. We'll see how I'm feeling. Yeah. So until next week, this has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. Bird, it's cold in here. There must be a water ghost in the atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>